that I was also crashing. And I, I remember saying, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And um, I wasn't immediately uh, attended to. 911, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code WAC, where we shine a light on America's callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code WAC, how can we better support black expectant parents and their babies in light of how vulnerable they are to dying in America? And what root causes must be addressed to do this most effectively? To find out, we spoke to Melissa Franklin, the first black director of maternal, child, and adolescent health for LA County's Department of Public Health. Dr. Franklin's a systems transformation leader with over 25 years experience in organizational development, community engagement, and communication strategy. This is the second in a two-part series. Welcome back to Code WAC, Dr. Franklin. Thank you, happy to be here. What are the major trends regarding black infant and maternal mortality today in LA County? And what are the main drivers of these trends? In terms of our uh, disparity data, the rates remain at around a little over two times in terms of infant mortality than any other race and four times than any other race for maternal mortality. I don't know if you're aware of the CDC report that came out that indicated that infant mortality has increased across the U.S. for the first time in quite some time. That is concerning. In L.A. County, our rates have been pretty stable, but the disparity remains, and that's that's why we focus on the difference. Root causes of it, we're just starting to look at the data since the beginning of this movement. And I can provide you a data deck with all of our latest numbers. It breaks it down by service planning area. We look at smoking versus non-smoking, education, attainment, because those are proxies for things we typically think are impacting. And it still demonstrates that it's the uniquely harmed experience of Black folks in our country that's a root cause. And we endeavor to address it uh, from racism as a root cause. In terms of other trends, I would have to say the response itself. So doulas being really core to our response, midwives being really core to our response, engagement of fathers from a lens of supporting dads and partners in their support of their pregnant partner uh, with the lens of preventing infant maternal mortality and um, being advocates. So really it is about igniting and activating the village of support around a black person in terms of addressing the disparity. And I would have to add budding is the various guaranteed income pilots in our county. We will be launching a guaranteed income pilot that's focused on pregnant individuals. You know, there is quite a bit of research that suggests that the reduction in stress, that access to no string attached income supplement has a positive impact on birth outcomes. And so that'll be launching hopefully in 2024. Is it one intervention? Oh, no, ain't no way. One intervention is going to resolve something that has been so persistent and that is truly system-wide, but a host of interventions or responses can. And I would add advocacy. Activation of the people in communities has been huge to this work. Uh, 
Uh, we have four community action teams covering five service planning areas. And there are folks that are looking at on the ground, community specific uh, responses, but also keeping the momentum around this work up front. And I would have to say they were key during the closures due to the pandemic of keeping an eye on Black birth outcomes and not losing sight of that or not kind of pulling back because we had this really other very important pressing issue. Actually, we saw it as intersecting, right? And so that was just so, so much a testimony of the work of our uh, communities on the ground. That's great. So the pilot program for guaranteed income, is that for black people who are expecting or which populations? For multiple groups that are at risk of adverse birth outcomes, prior preterm birth, heart conditions, a history of preeclampsia with a prior birth or a high blood pressure. So it's multiple at risk. But our intents are to look at, does it have a positive impact on birth outcomes overall? You've mentioned some things LA County's doing to help prevent deaths of black people who are expecting or delivering babies. What else can be done to prevent these deaths from a systems perspective? From a systems perspective, there are a couple of things um, that, are, that I believe that we can do. One that we've begun work on, um, our Chairs Futures Hospital um, Engagement Initiative um, matched uh, hospital uh, leaders with community leaders around just getting to know um, the uh, as an issue of concern, as getting to know our communities from a perspective of a Black birthing person, um, and then take on um, certain efforts together to increase either their understanding or their learning or steps to improve care within their health centers. Um, implicit bias training is really like a first step, I would say, for many hospitals and hospital systems. You know, SB 464 really has put that forward as an imperative and really taking that first step is tremendously valuable, right? To help folks shift how they approach care for uh, black individuals and other individuals from a frame of what's possible from them and setting aside um, any uh, held notions or stereotypes and providing culturally uh, affirming care, I believe is absolutely vital. Fostering a welcomingness of birth support, in particular doulas, right? The doulas do not replace an OB, do not replace a midwife, um, but they do focus on the birthing person, the pregnant person, and ensuring that they have an advocate and someone that centers them in their birth experience. You know, today hospitals can continue to foster policies that are welcoming of um, doulas and of community midwives. That's definitely an actionable step. And then locking arms, I'll say it, with our community action teams. You know, if you're a, a hospital in a service planning area where there are folks coming together for joyous and healthy births, you know, um, I offer that you collaborate with them. Who best to identify how best to move forward together and, and address uh, birth inequity than those most uh, impacted by it and who are activated to um, see um, a change. What can Black expectant people do personally since they're so vulnerable to dying while giving birth? Whenever I get that question, I think about what I wish I would have known as a Black pregnant woman. And really, it is activating your village, 
of getting your village on deck. So often we're like bad this story that we decided to get pregnant and it's on us, like for us to make it happen and carry the load and be strong and don't cry, you can do it, you know, that sort of thing. And that is such a fallacy. You know, this can be so stressful. And, you know, having a village of support is such a game changer for having access to the birth that you desire. Starting with a birth plan, which really is all about what are your hopes and dreams for your birth experience. That's so key. And then moving into activating your village of getting folks around you in your space who are going to be advocates, who are going to show up for you when you need it, who are going to encourage you, who are going to bring you meals, be a source of respite, or go to your appointments with you. You Whenever I come across a Black pregnant person, I ask them a question, do you have a doula? Um, So starting there is so foundational. Um, I know somebody who had a doula a midwife, a lactation coach, a black OB, a home water birth, and it was beautiful. All the supports that MCH provides, Black Infant Health or doulas and other programs like home visitation, they're all free. They're at no cost. And they're delivered in a culturally affirmative manner with joy and well-being at the heart of it. Beautiful. Can you remind us of the difference between a doula and a midwife? I have a great colleague here on our team, Ashley Skiffer Thompson, who says it perfectly. You know, midwives are for the waist down, doulas are for the waist up. You know, doulas do not uh, deliver babies. Like I said, they do not replace an OB or a midwife. They really are about the mental health and well-being and the experience of the person, of the pregnant person. They can be an advocate. They can be a translator, meaning translating doctor speak um, to a pregnant person. They also support families through their uh, birthday journey, whether it's a home birth or a hospital birth or a birth center birth. And so that's the primary difference all great supports Uh, like like I said if it was me it would be I'd have all the things any support that we could have I would have had it and then I would have added ongoing mental health uh, support as well even though these are sources of that you know any ways to mitigate stress and to support my family and supporting me in that regard to support my job and supporting me in, in that regard are you know are all game changers in terms of having the birth that you dream of so you're a black woman who nearly died while delivering your second child. Do you think having a doula, for example, or having the opportunity to have a doula and a midwife could have altered that experience for you? I think what would have changed is um, my being heard that I was crashing, that I felt like I was going to die, um, that that would have been attended to a little faster than it was. Um, You know, when you, you know, have a baby, a lot of focus is on the baby, which is good. And, you know, as it should be. And then when you have um, a baby who um, is in peril when they are born, a lot of focus is on the baby and saving their life, which it was for me, right? I I heard a a faint cry, and then I heard all the work to save her life, right? That's what I could hear. Um, And I was also crashing. And trying to say, I've, I, I remember saying, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And um, I wasn't immediately uh, attended to. So I think that part 
would have changed. Would it have changed um, whether or not my babies came early or whether I would have um, experienced something that was life-threatening? I'm not sure. I really do believe that my lifetime of experiences is what contributed to that. And I think I'm so glad you asked that question because that is often lost on this conversation is that it's not just the interaction in the healthcare setting or just the um, not being heard um, by a provider, right? And that we don't want to place the entire burden of positive birth outcomes on the shoulders of the wonderful midwives and doulas that are doing this work, um, this heart-centered work, um, because that's not exactly what the root cause is. You know, our uh, Black folks' history of trauma through slavery and generational oppression and also structural racism in our society today and our um, interactions in society, how we're treated often in other settings is um, a huge factor. You know, it's that one thing that comes up when we look at, okay, she has... um, she has an MBA. All right. She has a job. Okay. Um, did the prenatal care. Okay. Um, has a, um, a, a, and a great OB. All right. Um, still a, a challenging birth outcome. And that, that still, that thing that's left is the weathering effect of chronic exposure to the um, trauma and the harm of racism and systemic oppression. So I may show up in a, um, I could show up in the ER and my, uh, myself and my um, colleague who's not black could have the flu. It's like we're both showing up with the flu, but I have a knife in my back and you only treat us for the flu. I'm showing up with a greater vulnerability that is, um, causing me to be at risk of losing my life or losing my baby or having a birth outcome that I did not want, right? And that's, we have to look at it from the whole approach, right? And I acknowledge that that also means that there's work that's uh, outside of MCH too uh, that needs to be done of creating a better community context of addressing economic oppression and of of creating more fair policies and a more fair and just society. I know it sounds like really aspirational, but it really is what we have to do if we're going to see, if we want to see, I'll say just LA County, if we want to see LA County become a place um, where we're known for um, beautiful births and uh, abundance and health and joy and well-being. Um, we'll need to address the context, too, in addition to our interventions um, or our supports. Okay, so what are your thoughts on a major health policy change to universal health care? Something like Medicare, but for everybody. Could it help Black people and their babies have a better survival rate? Well, I'm not able to respond to um, Medicare uh, policy or Medi-Cal policy as we uh, talk about it in in L.A. County. Um, But what I can share is having access to culturally affirming high quality care is a game changer. And that means addressing all the things that serve as barriers to that care. That's our economic realities, the affordability of that care where that care is located geographically in a county so huge as LA. And then other things that are um, considered to be baseline quality and those things that are emergent or that we're now becoming to know or understand should be a part of quality, culturally affirming, uh, diverse staff, operating cultural humility, human dignity, 
at the center. And um, I have to say it, joy and abundance being the outcome and not merely birth. (laughs) And not really birth being the outcome, right? Uh, Birth and survival being the outcome, ensuring that those things are in place. Um, And then finally, you know, respecting the voice of the people, you know, what the people are um, identifying as important to them, to us, needs to be at the center of how we approach accessibility to high quality maternal and infant care. Thank you, Melissa Franklin. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find us on progressivevoices.com and on Nurse Talk Media. Code WAC is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Kazar.